0: Solo. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter.
1: Communications disruption
0: can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode eighty-six of Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Peter Viox. And please allow me to introduce my co-host, Mr. Rick Villanueva. job. What are
2: you looking at? Well, hello everybody out there in Listener Land. How was everybody? How are you, Pete? Happy Star Wars Day to you. Man, I'm doing really good today. Happy Star Wars Day to you, and happy
0: Star Wars Day to our other co host today. Please allow me to introduce the one, the only, Miss Eden Gray.
1: Hi, thanks for having me back again.
0: Welcome back. St- Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you again. How's everybody doing today? All good. All good in the hood.
1: <laughs> Chicago seems like a crazy place lately.
2: You know, without getting into too much of what's happening just in the world at large, like, I, for myself personally, I'm just riding the high right now. There's been a lot of it's celebratory um feelings Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so it's been uh, it's been a pretty good vibe overall this weekend and I think for a lot of us we we needed it
0: agreed and to all of our listeners no matter which side of the fence you're standing on one cannot deny that it's kind of looking like the end of uh, Return of the Jedi special edition all around the United States lately
1: (laughs) parties all over (laughs)
0: Well, I tell you what, guys. Uh, let's talk about our weeks. Like, uh, who wants to go first? What's What's your week in Star Wars been like?
2: Eden, why don't you go first?
1: Um, I don't know if I have much Star Wars in my week. It's It's been a, a heck of a week, that's for sure. Um. I don't, I don't know I listened to some Star Wars like chill hop lo-fi music while studying quite a What few times yeah that exists
0: where did you find that on
1: YouTube there's if there's <laughs> I only listen okay half the reason I listen to it is because there's a really beautiful drawn picture of ahsoka and she's studying at like a library console table and there's a, a tuka and it, it's really it's cute to watch as a distraction yeah. um but it's basically the Cantina theme and Vader's theme just like remixed over and over again and little different ways it's not that great but i like it
0: <laughs> now when you said that it was ahsoka studying and there's a tuku cat i'm assuming that it's kind of an overlay of similar to the beats was while studying channel yes. does it look like that yes layout too?
1: clear it's clearly modeled after that yes that's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's but again it needs some new some new tunes there's only like an hour worth of original stuff and then it just repeats and it's, it's could use a, a refresh
0: right on it's we'll, good though we'll see if we can find that and throw it in the show notes
2: <laughs> what about you Rick what you been up to this week I don't know that sounds awesome some lo-fi some lo-fi jizz pretty cool that's what music is called in Star Wars it's called jizz so I was gonna say man out. I don't I don't know <laughs> if that's a gobbled word or what. we'll leave that one in there and let you guys decide <laughs> that's an old legends thing that's the uh, the cantina band they were they were known as jizz whalers that's what they were <laughs> Of
1: course they, they were. <laughs> yeah, somebody had great fun coming up with
2: that. I hope you enjoyed the jizz in your ears. Anyway, oh my God. um, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, no, my my week was was uh, was very light. Uh, the only thing that I really had going on was picking up this week's new comics, uh, and that was um, Star Wars number eight and um, the IDW Shadow of Vader's Castle. Um, I picked up. A black and white variant cover for that. i um, yet, I haven't read any of these books yet. Um. Just, I mean, come on people, this week has been a hell of a year. I mean, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, there kind of wasn't a whole lot of time to really sit and relax and do that stuff, but I'm sure I'll get into it in the next day or two. And uh, at some point, you know, we'll talk about the comics because that's something that we do on the show from mm-hmm. time to time, you know, and, and outside of those two things uh, last week after um, we recorded, you know, I, I put up on the Twitter that I had, and I know some other people had too, but the, the translation for the um, the Orabesh from um, uh, from chapter nine, it was around the exploding Death Star. And it just, you know, a little goofy thing, I got a retweet from Adam Christopher, who's writing the uh, the Mandalorian novel that we're supposed to be getting next year. And he was kind of doing some um, noodle scratching about how to, to best explain the the fact that that text those little rewards uh from the return of the jedi crawl are uh canon like they people read them as part of um kind of like that news clip or whatever it was um which was kind of cool to have a little bit of interaction with somebody who's creating you know in in the universe but it would be something if you know for my own stupid you know kind of ego stroking that if there was something in the book that was attributed to a tweet that you know somebody put out like that so it would you know just a cool little kind of interaction it kind of gave me a little bit of a, a little bit of a boost at the beginning of the yeah, week nice. you know so it was fun
0: you might get a little kickback on that one too man like a little check
2: i you know what i'm gonna adam if you're listening and i have no reason to think that you're not you know reach out to me you know what i mean my oh, man give me a follow while well, We can chat. We'll talk. I'm only asking for a 0.0001% of royalties to the sale of the book. I don't want anything (laughs) else. Um, You know, nothing like that. You know, but honestly, though, like the one thing that would be really cool, and this is, again, I don't even think I would ever do this, but like the names that we created for our characters for squadrons, like Adam, if you want to use the idea, put one of my character names in there too. It'd be like a cool little tribute to my dad or something, because that's where those names came from. But um, yeah, no, I, it'll never happen, but it would still be kind of cool. But uh, no, that, that was, uh, you know, kind of the fun starts of the week with that. And, and, you know, obviously bookending it with chapter 10 the other day. And now here we are getting ready to to dive into it. But what about you, P? What'd you get into this week? Well, it's been uh, similar to
0: Eden's week, you know, it's been hectic with work, a lot of overtime, as usual, but I tell you what, I try to make the best of it when I can, because as a Star Wars fan, you can't go a week without doing something, and I tell you what, man, uh, we were we were at Half Price Books yesterday, and I just happened to see that beautiful green Power of the Force 2 that I am attracted to like a moth on a light, <laughs> and uh, that. Surprisingly, there was a one in pretty good condition. It's an episode one flashback photo edition of Yoda. And I'm pretty excited about this one. Uh, not just for the flashback photo, you know, obviously with the episode one. And let's see, this looks like Empire Strikes Back Yoda. Um, he comes with a cane and a boiling pot and a little something that I don't know what it is. It kind of looks like a thumbtack with a white <laughs> on the top. So it's
2: probably a candle.
1: Right, it's got to be it's Yoda sized, so
0: I yeah,
2: know. it's pro. It's got to be that little lantern that he and Yoda yeah. were fighting over. It could be. And he's all mine, 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 and Yoda's hitting him. He grabs him with the <laughs> with the claw. You know, what <laughs> how I mean?
0: could I forget? That's like the best scene of the whole damn movie. Yeah,
2: yeah, but uh,
0: yeah, this thing is pretty sweet. Um, the cane. I wish it would say what that thing is to be sure, because it, it's a different shape. It it looks more like a a nail, a tiny little nail. But um yeah, it comes with the cane that obviously fell out of the bubble, so I had to sit there and shake it until it fell back into place.
1: <laughs> obviously.
0: <laughs> um and the other standout part about this figure that I'm most excited about is that his hair is hair, and it's not what? plastic. Well, it's <gasps> probably plastic.
1: He's got a real little fluff of hair on the back of his head. It's
0: fluffy. Oh, is that's it stringy amazing. or like cotton?
1: It's like very thick but cottony. it's like a but it's straight it's like a it's a definite poof of of Yoda hair along the back of his head
0: huh. looks like looks like those eyelashes that that you would paste to your eyelids to make them look thicker.
1: yeah, but, but it's white small, white and fluffy.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking maybe he looked like the um the music teacher from The Simpsons, Mr. Uh, Mr. Largo no <laughs> 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 well. Maybe
0: a little.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like how you found this figure, just like up on the very top of a shelf, like tucked, like next to some very large books and uh, others figure display. It's just like somebody was carrying it around and just like, I'm just gonna put this back here in this random spot where you can't see the whole front of it. And you were just like, eyes were magnetized to that. Luckily I'm Wookiee
0: sized and I saw it and I went, Martin <laughs> Mine, mine. <laughs> started hitting people with my stick.
1: <laughs> it's exactly what happened. Just
0: like Rick said. It I was like test. it's like he was there. Yeah. <laughs> but aside from that, um today I started rereading aftermath. Um, that was oh, nice. the yeah, yeah yeah that was the first of the new canon books that I ever read and I haven't read it since that first time so I feel like you know especially with you know last week's inclusion of Cobb vanth um and the possibility that we might see some more um just you know hopeful thinking more characters from that but I was like you know now's the time now's the time for a reread and it's uh, It just flows right off the page. Chuck Wendig, I forgot how good of an author you are, my friend, and uh, that was, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm just going to pick it up from time to time, not going to rush it, because the first time I was just flying through it because I wanted to know what was happening next. But now I can just kind of take my time the same way that you're doing, Darth Plagueis.
2: Yeah, which reminds me, I did manage to get through another couple of chapters uh, this week. I had one late night where I just stayed up and was like, I'm just going to breeze through, you know, another two or three chapters. So I, it, like most books, it's, it's divided into parts. So I just finished the first part of the book. So he's, he's met um, Palpatine and, you know, hijinks Sue. So,
0: yeah, uh, that's another one on my list too. I'd like to read again. Actually, before I started Aftermath, I was looking through the legends too, to see like, well, what legends one do I want to reread? And the thing is, is all the ones that I have, I've read more recently than I've read Aftermath. So I was like, "Nah, it's it's time." <laughs> so I tell you what. Um, before we get into the main subject of the show today, which obviously is on everybody's mind, is uh, *Mandalorian*. We got a couple of things to talk about as far as news and announcements and stuff. Why don't you lead us off with uh, some of the happenings of the week, Rick?
2: Yeah, you know, so there wasn't a whole lot, but um, you know, kind of like last week, you know, outside of *Mandalorian*, there, there were some things that did pop up. Um earlier in the week we had a um a look at the Lego Star Wars holiday special trailer um and I know you know we were talking kind of before we recorded even you haven't seen it yet so we won't go too much into it except to say that it does look pretty fun it looks really funny again you know Lego's guys, got that
1: Guys guys I watched it without sound so like I've seen it I just okay. haven't heard
0: it Yeah right, but, but you, haven't, you haven't heard it and it's it's a you know, you can't you can see it. But. I want
1: to hear that Oscar Isaac new voiced goodness for the first time when it's actually on. That's really what's going on here is like I saw that Poe was in it and I was like, mm, not turning it on. I need to hear that when it's like the whole thing. I can't handle any little. Like just No, I must save it. I'm, I must save it and savor it. That's
0: now, what's going on now? Refresh my mind, Rick. Does Oscar Isaac return for that? Because some of the voices did not sound like uh, their associated characters.
2: That changes things. I haven't looked into it, but I don't think so. I, you know, I know the ones mm. that they named were like Anthony Daniels, Billy D. Williams, Kelly Marie Tran.
0: Right. Those Maybe are the ones the that I two remember. Others.
2: Yeah. I don't remember any of the other main cast, um, being involved, but you know, we only have another week or so uh, that comes out on the 17th, uh, I believe, mm-hmm. but they also gave us a poster, uh, for, uh, for the holiday special as well. And, On the poster, not only does Ray have a yellow lightsaber, but Finn has a yellow lightsaber for some reason. So, um, yeah, kind of a little interesting. And if you have the chance to take a look at it, in the front, in the foreground of the image are our droids, you know, R2 and 3PO, do. But then there's another little teeny tiny droid in front of them. And it's really hard to see, but it almost looks like a super tiny Lego gonk droid. But like a new version of it, it's I, I, it's hard to tell because it's, you know, they're all kind of like Christmas styled where they're wearing like a scarf or something like that. But there's one in the front and I'm like, if that's a little Lego Christmas gonk droid, like I need to see a better event, image That's of it.
1: exactly what it looks like.
2: Yeah. yeah. It looks like so, they
1: dressed a tiny gonk droid as a snowman, but it's, it's right. tiny. <laughs> this gonk droid is the size of Dio.
0: Let me see that. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: That's I really awesome. hope so. We need <laughs> we we need a Christmas gonk droid for uh to get us through the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, we do. And um, more porgs. Yay, porgs. The porgs are like yeah. also the size of this gonk droid, which is a little scary.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But you know, it, it looks to be a lot of fun. You know, the Lego stuff always uh is uh is is pretty fun and entertaining, you know, for, for for kids and for the kids and all of us. Um but we also had the same day, and this one kind of flew under the radar um, on the the Star Wars on the YouTube Star Wars Kids channel, uh, they released five little like one or two minute shorts, um, Lego shorts. And yeah, we won't go into the stories of them because they are they're very brief. They're very, you know, fun and silly. Um, but there was one called the, the titles were Wrapping Up the Millennium Falcon, uh, Sithmas Light Show, All I Want for Life Day, Reindeer Walker, and my favorite uh, one called Snowflake Snack. And just to give you a very brief rundown of what this thing is, um, Baby Yoda encounters some falling snow. So a little Lego Baby Yoda, Mi nino, encounters some falling snow, and it is adorable. So it was absolutely delightful and a lot of fun. So when you guys get a chance, check that out. Your little hearts are going to melt. I promise you. Um, Also, this week, we got what I believe is probably going to be the final uh, preview excerpt from Uh, From a certain point of view at the Empire Strikes Back book, which comes out this coming Tuesday, which is probably today as this episode, uh, we're recording, whatever, um, November 10th, uh, we got an excerpt from The Hunger by Mark Oshiro, and there was an audio excerpt also as read by Sam Witwer, and I won't go too much into the details of the story, but it does, it is about the Wampa on Hoth, Uh, it is written from the the Wampa's perspective, and Marco Shiro in the the interview before the story was saying that he only wanted to write one of two characters for the book. One was the Wampa, the other one, the other one was Wilbur Hood. Um, so he was given the Wampa, and he based his story from a tweet that Mark Hamill uh, had put out back in 2017, where Luke says, or Mark Hamill says that you know Luke Luke would never intentionally harm. A wampa he was told when they were filming that his lightsaber would just like singe some of the furs and then when the movie came out he saw that it cut the wampa's arm off um he was all these years later he was still like no luke would never do that that's not <laughs> the Je- that's not the jedi way huh. and so mark ran with this idea that the wampa was kind of a victim and he so he started developing this whole story he talks about you know re-watching those opening minutes of of Empire Strikes Back over and over again to get the timeline right of how this thing is hunting and and stuff like that. Um, But the excerpt is really cool. Again, the book comes out in just a couple of days. You know, we're we're starting to see you know a lot of review copies are going out and the author copies are going out, and the book is much bigger than the A New Hope version uh, from a certain point of view. So uh, I can't wait to get into this book. You know, these these stories are always uh, a lot of fun to get into, kind of those periphery characters.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one, too. Um, that was another of the books that I was considering picking up was the a New Hope version. Um, these are always fun. And I'd like to... Uh, I, I'm going to be diving into the audiobook immediately as soon as that one comes out. What about you, Eden?
1: I have a completely not book-related question about wampas.
0: <laughs> All right. What do you got? The,
1: the world building in Star Wars is so fantastic that we feel like we have an understanding of wampas as creatures but have we ever actually seen a second wampa this this is the wampa because we've never actually seen another one right there
2: are there's deleted scenes from empire strikes back where wampas attack and echo base okay and there is in the original empire strikes back trailer there is a quick shot of c-3po pulling a warning label off of a door and it's like yellow and red and written. I don't think it, I don't think it's Orabesh, but I, or there might not even be any text on it, but it's got a very kind of like base crude image of a Wampa. Mm-hmm. And in the deleted scene, it was that they had captured some Wampas and put them in that room <laughs> as like to keep them away from like killing people. So that uh-huh. when the Empire attacked the base, once the, you know, the Imperial troops are run to the base, yeah. once that happens, C-3PO pulls the warning label up so that the stormtroopers would then go into that room and, be Murdered by
1: Wampas, yeah. Yes. Cool. But still, like, no, there's just the one Wampa, really, and there's some deleted scenes of Wampas. Yeah, which is, and I
2: think... It's so there, cool. There was also a, um, the little short animated things that they had come out, uh, was it... Yes. Uh, Galaxy of Adventures, I uh-huh. I think. Uh-huh. I could be mistaken, but there was a story... Oh, yeah. with uh ...with Chewie and Leia, I believe, mm-hmm. in Echo Base that had to deal with uh, another Wampa. Mm-hmm.
1: So good. So many of these creatures that like we only see have seen a couple of and now we're getting a lot more of them in the Mandalorian or in books or whatever. But I'm just always impressed by like the underlying story structure that we never actually see, but you feel it, you know, it's there.
2: Yeah. Any, any, every little rock you turn over, there's a story to be told. I mean, it's almost to the point of absurdity where in Return of the Jedi, the skull that Luke throws to, like, make the gate fall on the Rancor, that skull was a person and has a name in Legends. Um, it's the name escapes me right now, but there was a whole story written for who mm-hmm. that skull was when he was alive. So, you know, there's there's a story to be told just about in every little nook and cranny of Star Wars, which it's part of the reason why we're here doing this podcast, because we're nerds right. and we like to, you know, you know, kick over the moldy logs and look at all the little <laughs> squiggly worms and stuff underneath that tell the stories. <laughs> Agreed. And uh, lastly, uh, news wise, uh, this one really flew under the radar. Um, Initially, well, so last week we got a report from Deadline talking about Leslie Hedlund's uh, upcoming Disney Plus series. And in that it said that it was going to be a, and we knew this already, but it was going to be female led. Uh, or at least our protagonist was going to be female and kind of what they get into more with this article is that it's going to be more of a martial arts thriller um, that takes place in what they call quote an alternate timeline. Um, Now I think that's just a turn of phrase. I don't think that means it's like a world between worlds kind of thing. I think it's just uh, what we have is like an unexplored era um, in, in time. And along those lines, this one just kind of caught my eye today. Leslie Headland did an interview with a YouTube uh, channel called Fantastic Frankie uh, about a week ago, a week and a half ago. And it's about an hour long, just under. And the, the host of the show, Frank Frankie, uh, she is asking her about, you know, what it was like working with Russian Doll and Netflix and the difference between, you know, doing TV work and movie work. And uh, she gave a lot of really cool insight into the creative process of getting into what makes Star Wars, Star Wars. And she said some really interesting things. And one of them was that when you come into a project like this, you have to have a very strong point of view kind of when you're pitching your story, but you also have to be reverent to everything that was laid out ahead of you. You need to be uh, very well aware of all of the lore and the history um, in these stories. And she talked about the differences between legends and Canon, and she's very well versed with, um, with a lot of the stories and things like that. And she said that when, when her pitch came through and it was accepted, that it was almost like she was being indoctrinated into the religion of star Wars. Like it became all encompassing. And she talked about how, you know, all of her characters are going to be new for the story. The, the timeline, she didn't say anything specifically about it because she can't, um, but it will be in an era that we have not seen as of yet. Um, does that mean something high Republic who knows? Cause it'll be the first time we see something like that on screen, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was a really, really good interview. She sounds like she's having a ton of fun writing it. She talked about it being a dream job, but also says that like, just because it's your dream job does not mean that it's easy by any stretch. And she said per her creative process, the one thing that she always starts with, um, for any project is location. So we hear all of these stories, you know, we talk about uh, the beginning of the stories being like, oh, well, I have this character and this is going to be their journey. And for her, she doesn't start with the history first. She talks about where are we, who lives there, what's the culture, then what's the journey? So when she says she pitched the idea, she envisioned it almost like Indiana Jones when they are, you know, they show like the... the the plane flying and it's a red line on a map and stuff like that, that they almost Mm -hmm. literally drew out maps of, you know, different locations on planets and whatever. And she pulled out a star Wars Atlas that she had kind of on a bookshelf and stuff in in the interview. And so it, it was, um, fantastic Frankie on YouTube. Uh, fantastic Frankie on Twitter is at fanboy fighter. If you want to follow her, she's got a moderate uh, group of followers. And, you know, I, recommend it you know she was she did a a fantastic interview leslie headland seems to be very excited about the project so it was nice to get some new information um but the video only had 55 views when i when i watched it yeah it was a very very low view count so i do recommend go find her go find the channel go find the interview um it was a lot of fun and and some really cool information
1: great i might have to check that out
2: yeah we're
0: gonna we're gonna throw that in the show notes for sure uh this like, I remember watching all of Russian Doll when I found out that Leslie Headland was going to be making this martial arts thriller, the female lead uh, martial arts thriller. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. It's funny that this flew under the radar like that, though, because, I mean, usually we're chomping at the bit for Star Wars live action.
1: Yeah, details, content, like, we're just, we'll take it all in. We know about it literally the second it happens. The Internet's all over it.
2: It's, it's one of those things, too, where when creatives get interviewed by either a podcast or a show or something like that, usually they will try to promote it, you know, through their Twitter, their Instagram or whatever. And Leslie Headland, there was nothing on her Twitter page about this interview. And she says in the interview herself that, you know, she does not look for um, any stories or rumors about herself that, you know, when she... When it was first announced that she was going to be doing the series back in, I think, April, that her face started popping up on all of these different thumbnails for YouTube videos. And she's very entrenched with the YouTube uh, Star Wars community. She says she watches Star Wars Explained and, and some of the other kind of you know theory and, and deep dive uh, channels. And uh, she says that every time like her face came up in a thumbnail, she wouldn't watch the video. Um, she just, she shied away from her right away. She's like, I, I don't want to know what people think, you know, maybe once we get closer to the show, I'll start looking at opinions because by that point, you know, the story will be locked in. There won't be much we can do to change, you know, too much. Um, That's awesome. but, but yeah, you know, so go, go find, go find the channel, give her a subscribe, you know, and all of that stuff. And I'm not trying to shill for her or anything, but it was, a, it was a very cool interview. Um, and, and well worth the, uh, the hour or so listening to it.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely going to check that out. Well, you got anything else, Rick? Before we hop into a little live, a- other live action besides Leslie Headland's live action show.
2: Um, no, I don't have anything else besides that. Like I said, the, the news was very kind of light, you know, and I think most of our attention was on some other things this week. So I'm ready to jump right into uh, Chapter Ten. So what do you guys say?
1: I'm just waiting for that. Uh, the the intro.
0: The oh, you waiting for this? You waiting yeah. for this right here? That's it. We're all waiting for this baby. Live <laughs> action. If you didn't know, that is a real Kentucky superhero right there. <laughs> Tur- Turtle Man?
1: It's so funny. Everybody. everybody
0: knows Turtle Man.
1: I really didn't. And even when I lived here for two or three years, I still didn't know who Turtle Man was.
0: <laughs> well, I know who Turtle Man <laughs> is and I am immortalizing him <laughs> on Jam Transmissions because live action, baby. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right. So we're going to be talking about Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 2, Chapter 10, The Passenger. Who wants to go first?
2: Let's just dive in. I just want to say, we're, so we're going from a uh, turtle man to frog lady in a yep. heartbeat.
1: Mm-hmm. Just stepping around the corner. There she is. Voiced by the amazing D. Bradley Baker.
2: Yeah, I found that one out this morning. I watched the episode twice and saw that this morning and I like, didn't even dawn on me like who did the voice and then I heard it and I was like, son of a, <laughs> that guy's, that guy's he's everywhere.
1: A, he's amazing. We, yeah. we always pause and, uh like scan, deeply scan the credits every after the episode, every time, um, just to make sure we didn't miss anything. And that was, that was pretty awesome.
2: Yeah. This, this, I, I typically don't do that with the credits cause you know, Isaac is usually with me and he has a ton of questions as soon as the episode, or once all the concept Aww. art is gone, he's got questions after questions. So he's like, well, what Aww. was this? What was that? what was, so we don't really get a chance to look at it, but he does want to hear the music. Um, but what did you guys think of the episode? as a whole.
0: I thought it was great. I mean, once again, if I want to give my initial thoughts, I can actually give you my opinion while I was watching the show because it was kind of a, an interesting ride for me. I want to say about 15 minutes into the show, I was kind of like, "Man, what what the hell am I watching?" Cuz usually <laughs> like all these Mandalorian episodes, they kind of have a feel of something that I've watched before, an influence that you can kind of pick up. Uh Uh-huh. You know, sometimes an old John Wayne movie or something like that. But yeah, I had a really hard time picking up on what this felt like. And I I still, I'm going to want to talk to you guys about that. See if you have any other opinions, but halfway through the episode, I was all in and I was like, man, this is really cool. This feels really new to me.
1: Yeah. It felt very new.
0: Yes. And so I'm pretty excited about it overall. What did you think? Eden?
1: I thought it was great. Um, It was what I felt was most new about it was that we got, um, and I felt this way about the, prison episode too i think we got a lot more expression um and nuance from the mandalorian he didn't have his mask really in place the whole time he wasn't in 100 percent control of himself we got some some i mean he he was acting like a regular guy which is weird you know we're not used to seeing the mandalorian like that and between all his interactions with the child and with other people and with having the frog lady on his ship. And he just, it felt like he really let his guard down throughout the most of the episode. And that that's just really new and and strange feeling. Cause I feel like there's this big, um, like wall between him and other people. And that includes the viewer always, except for this time. I feel like the wall is going down a little.
2: That's a really interesting way to put it. Um, The first time I watched it, I had very mixed feelings about this episode and like, I don't like ranking, but it, it just, it didn't sit well with me kind of overall because I, I didn't feel like much happened as far Mm -hmm. as story progression. But when we watched it yesterday, Isaac and I, all of that kind of changed. And uh, Pete, you know, we talk about this, you know, kind of often when, you know, we, we look at what we have on the screen. We're looking at the and then and then and then of the story. And then for myself, I always think about, well, what's what are they telling us? What's th- what thematically is happening here? What's the why of this story? And once I really started to think about all of that stuff, it all started to click that, you know, because at first, it you know, I, I this is not a filler episode by any stretch of the imagination. Because that's insulting to the creators, but. It felt a little almost like a like a speed bump in the storytelling, where you know chapter nine was such a rush of just action and all of the stuff was happening, especially in the last half of the episode. That you know we needed to take a little bit of time to breathe and really assess where Matt, the Mando and Menino are at this point uh, in the story, what their relationship is to each other, how they're interacting. And um, where they could be going, and again, if you take the time to kind of you know dive into it that way, you'll see that stuff. You know, and and something else that came out that, that I had a chance to read this week was um, the three Joker story. the The Batman comics it was a three part arc, and it was very much a character study. It added at its action and then fighting and stuff like that, but it was a character study of kind of the Bat family. This story had very much a lot of that same kind of character study as well. Um, and what's really cool about it is they did it with a puppet character who kind of halfway speaks at some points in the episode and a character without a face mm-hmm. and that's like some very ingenious storytelling when you have an inanimate object and an inanimate face looking back at you and you get emotions um and a lot of those cues came up with the music in this episode ludwig Goransson. His mm-hmm. he's changing the game for what Star Wars music can be, and this episode gave so many uh, emotional cues to you know what he's thinking if he's being more nonchalant if he's being goaded into doing something or challenged. Um, it's it's masterfully done. I mean, I gotta tip my hat to Ludwig, and we know the guy's a genius anyway. But like this episode really really showed that.
0: Yeah, Viggy blew my mind on this one. In fact, I think we got a couple I, I might want to call this a new theme, but how about the baby Yoda is hungry theme?
1: Yeah, like it's like definitely sparkling, the sparkling music when he sees something, mm, that looks delicious. And then the music kind of <laughs> quiets and sparkles. Oh, it's so
2: good. And it also sounds very childlike, yes. too. Yes.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There was a th- little th- little there's a little wonder in this.
2: I was just going to say that it was the exact same words, but you know, th- there's an innocence to him, mm-hmm. but he was almost the source of trouble for much, for much of the episode. 100% was. You
1: know?
2: And the, the, the parent in me was like, I sit down. Like, I just wanted to like just grab him by his little hand and be like, no, you stay here. Like, stop eating that. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to give me in trouble. Um, that got, Mando um, finger
1: I, wag was the best.
2: No. Yeah. I just the, the the parental like disciplinarian in me was all like Ugh! you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I I couldn't help it. I and later on in the episode, once the uh the spider creatures, uh which are not the ones from Rebels, uh Phil Shostak told us that these are it's a different creature. Um, but once those started coming up. And then there was that one that was on his head uh, when they were in the cockpit of the Razor Crest. I had my hands on my head, like, oh my God. I, spiders don't bother me in the least. But I like the tension in those scenes mm-hmm. um, when when they were all in trouble and a giant one is like blasting through the. I was like, what is going on? Where the
1: hell? Oh, what is this? There was a lot of desperation that I've haven't felt in in other episodes. I feel like Mandalorian always has really good control of the situation, or he suddenly loses control, but it only looks like he does, and he actually has everything completely in hand. Um, like the almost getting baby Yoda knifed in the beginning of this episode. Like he had it, it's fine. Uh but with the spiders, it was completely different. He was so desperate and trying to seal that cockpit and just shooting them over and over and over and over and not not coming up with a different solution like he just he was like at the end of his rope it was crazy
0: yeah i mean it it, it was it was a crazy episode for sure like in the shelob scene yeah that was that was nuts the spiders were nuts and uh yeah when you were talking about the little spider on top of baby yoda's head man like they, they have crazy mouth and like three sets of spiraling teeth so the second time after i had saw that what the teeth was like i was like dude you you really could have like killed baby Yoda. Yeah. Just then.
1: Yeah. Like they're trying to hurt the child. Like those, those things have like rancor mouths. They just happened to be tiny at that point in time. And I can't believe he ate one and it was still kind of wiggling when he ate it. Oh, that was nasty. Oh yeah. That was, that
0: was He'll eat anything. Gross.
1: Apparently.
0: Yeah. How about all those frog eggs that he ate? Those
1: were baby frogs and he ate so many of them.
0: He's eaten adult frogs before.
1: Oh, but those frogs didn't speak there weren't sentient. These were future. They were going to be sentient creatures in the future that could speak. And he ate them, <laughs> but I still love him. Like it's really, Oh
2: yeah. I was, I was sitting here yesterday watching it with Isaac and uh we, in the beginning of the episode, like we get a lot of really cute shots of the child. And then when he, when he ate the first egg out of the container, Isaac was like, wait, what? He was like, dad, pause it. Like, and I had to stop it. I was like, I was like, what? He goes, why did he eat that? That's her baby. And I'm like, well, I'm like, it's unfertilized. So it's, I don't know. And he's, I'm like, and he's still kind of a baby himself, if you think about it. And he was like, dad, he killed it. And then he does it like, he does it like three more times in the episode. And then the one right at the, like the little stinger at the end. Um, oh. and he told the, every time he did, he's like, no, no, he can't. There, there's like, it's a frog. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. He's a little cold blooded murderer. This, <laughs> this kid.
1: Right. That's the thing is he's like, he will apparently do anything to fill his belly to like beyond full, but. He doesn't really know if what he's doing is bad, does he? Well, dude, Baby uh,
0: Yoda is chaotic neutral. If this episode yeah, didn't tell yes. you anything, mm-hmm. he's chaotic mm-hmm. neutral. It,
1: that's exactly how I felt at the end. That's what I've been trying to say. He is chaotic neutral. He is chaos and he is cute. And he does not see that there's a good or a bad side to anything as long as he can put it in his belly.
0: <laughs> and he even snort laughed whenever Mando killed that one guy with his jetpack.
1: Yeah, he did. <laughs> and he gave snort laughed and gave him that look. And Mando was like, what?
0: <laughs> yeah, you saw it. You saw it, What I did.
1: <laughs> their their relationship just felt so much more intimate and dynamic in this episode. Like they really, mm-hmm. you could feel their connection. Like they they are getting to know each other. They're communicating. Um, they have a routine. They're it's they. It was really great.
2: See, that, that's one of the things too. What you know, when I started thinking kind of thematically, what the, what this episode is about, because a lot of that is kind of tongue in cheek. It is a little like, oh my god, I can't believe the child did that. Um. But again, this whole show is about their relationship, you know this that lone wolf and cub, and you know I got to really thinking about you know this this kid. I mean, he calls him the kid for most of the episode, the child that he needs guidance. You know, Mando is not fully equipped to to be the parental figure yet. You know, he's doing things that are questionable. That you know, well, I mean, would you go killing people in front of a kid, even if he was fifty years old? You know, what I mean, like it, it's. <laughs> This kid, right. you know, the child, he's learning these things and you have the child's instincts are taking over. You know, it's like he, we saw him try to eat that frog in, in chapter four. And the, all the other kids were like, yeah, it's gross. And he spit it out here. He sees frog eggs and he was just like, mm, you know, he's like, he's all about it. So he's acting the way that he probably should be. There's probably nothing abnormal for him and other of his kind.
1: Can I interject um, his use of the force trying to get the, the frog eggs out of that jar? Like that's if, like you said, instinct, like that's yeah. clearly an example of that.
2: Yeah. And it's the first time we've seen him use the force so far this season. Um, and it was for something self-serving, mm-hmm. you know, it's again, it's, it's another one of those things that, you know, he, he does need a little bit of guidance, but it also shows the very real difference between him and Din Djarin you know they will probably never ever 100% understand each other because there are these fundamental differences between the two and at some point there has to be a separation of these characters and I don't mean that it's like you know the child's going to be in some danger and be you know taken away or kidnapped I think by the time this series ends they will have learned what they what they can from each other but know that their place is not together And it kind of sucks to think that way, but in order for there to be a story afterwards, and we've talked about this before, the child cannot just be luggage for him to carry throughout for the rest of his life. You know, that's not something that I can see.
1: The likelihood of the child, you know, actually becoming a Mandalorian is is so low. I I really want it. I really want it to happen. No way. But it's just never going to happen. They're going to go their separate ways. He's not going to get his own tiny jetpack.
2: Yeah, this, this whole show, like I said, is them learning from each other. But it, at some point, you know, this child, is he's not a warrior. We've heard the armor say that, you know, the training would essentially kill him. Um, and the Mandalorian, you know, Din, is not, at this point in the story at least, he's not open enough to accept, you know, the 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 capabilities of the child he doesn't understand the force even though he strangely says may the force be with you right um, which is probably something that he's hit i mean again we don't know the passage of time between season one and two um it may be something that he's heard come up or it's something that's a familiar saying for you know the rebellion and the new republic
1: Mm
2: -hmm. um but then to get the answer um and, and also with you i mean i i grew up going to catholic school so Like, for me, that's the natural response to it anyway. And like, then they threw it in the story, and I was like, oh man, that's, I could kind of hear me laughing a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that seems like a, it's just the what, what things are said, how things are said. That's what they say in the Republic. That's what it seemed Mm -hmm. like to me.
0: Yeah. I agree. It felt kind of like the way Finn said it to Rose uh, in Last Jedi. Yes. Exactly. Like, it was just like kind of dismissive, like, all right, well, here's the thing I'm supposed to say. Goodbye. Bye
1: bye. Yeah. That's how you say goodbye
0: hmm Yeah, I really, I really like that line a lot. And uh so I, I just want to throw in here, guys, w- what do we think about Baby Yoda's gibberish now? Isn't it lovely? Yes. That was so perfect.
2: <laughs> he was so close to saying words when he was explaining that Frog Lady left the uh-huh. ship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mando's like, why don't you make yourself useful? And he's just like, beep, 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 you know, making these little noises and like pointing like dummy. <laughs> yeah, She's like,
1: hey, I have something to tell you. It's important. Come on. Why do you else do you think I'm out here in the snow?
0: Yeah. Um, I, so this episode had me go back and watch uh, chapter six. Of the first season, the prisoner, which I gotta say was my least favorite episode of the first season. Mm-hmm. I really did not enjoy that one. So when I when I realized, oh, I have to go back and watch this because of uh, the name drop of Davin, and then obviously we get to see Trapper Wolf again. Uh, Mister Dave Filoni threw himself into the role once again, and it was it was not jarring whatsoever. It was very good. Yeah, but I had to go back. I had to I had to go back and see if I could glean anything from Davin again, it was kind of cool to hear that callback. What did you guys think of the connection to the prisoner?
2: It's one of those things, you know, when, when people talk about, you know, well, I didn't like it. So it's filler. No, these episodes can still bear fruit later on. You know, there was, you know, callbacks to chapter five and six in this episode. I mean, obviously with the inclusion of zero um, as -hmm. a translator for frog lady um, and uh, Dr. Mandible, in the, in the cantina, Dr. Mandible, yeah, I've like, You've heard some people say like, well, that's a clear, you know, Peyton Reed thing because he directed ant man that they have this giant ant looking character. And like, no, oh. Dr. Mandible is in, uh, he's in the cantina in chapter five. Uh, he pops up in the background there. He's not, I don't know if he's playing Sabak or not, but he's, he's there. Um, so it's a character that they had,
0: mm-hmm. and,
2: uh, kind of floating around. Um, but, you know, the, the inclusion of Zero as the, like, the translator uh, for Frog Lady, I mean, is that something that the child can use? Like, can he just, like, hold it to the child and he's just like, we, we, and it just says, like, yo, man, I'm hungry. Give me some eggs.
0: <laughs> that would be interesting. That would be. Yeah, but I don't think, uh, I don't think Baby Yoda speaks a proper translatable language. Uh,
2: not yet. Oh, wow. Oh, wah. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> He's, obvi- he's got some meaning behind what he's saying he's like motioning you know he's intention trying. so yeah it, there's something there I mean maybe I mean it's we, close we, to Tuscan <laughs> I mean I guess when you put it that way
1: he's probably heard just as much Tuscan as he had ba- as basic at <laughs> yeah. this point
2: but you, you know some of the other things in this episode you, you mentioned trapper Wolf the the other x-wing pilot uh, Carson Carson Teva played by Paul soon Hyung Lee. who has been on a variety of things. The guy's like a massive Star Wars fan. He's like a 501st member in Canada. Um, And like his inclusion in the show is pretty cool. I was doing some reading up on him and I listened to an interview that he did earlier today on the force material podcast. And um, he was talking about what it was like to be included in the show. And initially it was supposed to be him and Deborah Chow as the two X-Wing pilots. And he he told Dave Filoni, he was like Dave, um, not all Asians in space know each other, so like you got to get another <laughs> pilot in here, man. Like it can't be the two of us, and that's how Dave because Dave Filoni does not want to act; he does not want to be the guy in the cockpit.
1: Right. Um, well, he barely said anything. the The other guy right. said most of it, which was really good. He was extremely he was good. He was believable. I was he was really intimidating, actually.
2: Yeah, and and he he said something in his interview uh, with those guys that he because I thought about this too when I was watching it, I'm like, why are these two older looking guys? Like, what are they doing out patrolling? And it just kind of dawned on me. I'm like, well, what if, you know, they've done their time with the rebellion, kind of the war is over. They've kind of earned the the easy job. You know what I mean? Kind of the light duty job. Just go out, patrol the sector. If you come up on anything, you know, you might have to file some paperwork. You know, they're kind of the grizzled old, uh, like highway patrolmen that are like, couple years away from retirement or something. And he mentioned something to that effect in the interview. He's like, yeah, he's like, we've been around the block. We, we ran our battles and like, we were just out there kind of like the lawman, you know, kind of uh surveying the, uh, the frontier. And, you know, we happen to catch people out there, you know, we question them on it and stuff like that. Um, but he sounded really excited to be part of the show. And he said that his part of filming was done prior to, re- to the release of season one. So he had wow. to sit on the information that he was a in the show and b was aware of Baby Yoda well before the first season aired. So um, it it puts into a lot of question what kind of for like what the production schedules are. If you know, we've heard Giancarlo Esposito talk about things for possibly season four. Um, I mean, is it possible that some of these things, like some of the B roll stuff, is being filmed? now or at least like very like well into the conceptual stages um you're hearing about season two stuff that was filmed before season one came out like it just the the level of efficiency that these creators have for this show and it's one of the things that he says about john favreau that like it's such a well-oiled machine that when they know what they want to film and the constraints that they have to do it obviously with the benefit of the volume um, it makes it so much easier for them to say, like, "Well, we know we're going to use this thing at this point of the story later on. Let's just knock it out now, and it'll be there for us." Um, And they they're running such a tight ship. And you know, he talked about how much fun everybody had, like, ribbon Dave Filoni because he doesn't want to act. Like, even Peyton Reed was like, "No, no, no, you got to say the lines. Like, you need like here's here's your delivery." And he's like, "Well, but John says that I should sound like I'm really bored." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He's like, "You're bored." But you got to look this way and look that way and stuff. And if you notice, Dave Filoni only has a couple of lines in the episode, Mm -hmm. kind of by design, because he didn't he didn't want to be there. You know, he's he's not an actor.
0: I thought it was kind of cool that he was mimicking Gold Leader in a way, because like he's he's obviously not looking ahead. He's looking at stuff like as if as if like Gold Leader was looking at his lines on his lap whenever he's talking. He's not Mm -hmm. being a bad actor. I think that's
2: intentional. Yeah, they, they just said like they had to give him all kinds of different direction and stuff to make sure that, you know, he was doing it right. Because, again, like his reluctance really shows.
0: I like what you when you were talking about how these these two older gentlemen are out patrolling uh space a little bit different sectors like of the outer rim and such. And it's probably just because I picked up aftermath again, but even in the very first chapter, you've got another example of this in Canon of wedge Antilles who basically wants to get, he he helped destroy two death stars and he wants to forget about the war because whenever he thinks about it, it's so real to him as if it, it, it's kind of like PTSD in a way he's there in the moment once again and can't escape it, but he's able to still go out and do stuff and get in, in, Maybe not an X-wing, but in like a little star hopper, and patrol the outer rim. So maybe these guys, we can throw a little head cannon on that. I, th- I think that's what I'm going to do. I really like that you pointed that out, Rick. That's an interesting perspective.
2: Yeah, I mean, it you know, for for my part, for my part, it it seemed to make sense. Um, again, you know, being the older guys, because we at this point, you know, we're, you know, we're aware of, you know, say Poe Dameron is learning to fly you know what I mean? Like he may be, you know, still young or whatever, but you know, we're, we hear about the young hotshot pilots that want to go in first and you know, the stuff that we know about like black squadron, uh, later on, I uh, kind of how headstrong some of these guys are, but then you see these two pilots who are pretty bored, you know, they're just, you know, like I said, two highway patrolmen that are just you know, out there having a space donut until somebody flies past, you know, <laughs> a little too fast. And, uh, you know, they're like, well, they you, you flip on the siren and then they go after them. Um, and one one of the things I really liked was what at the end when they save uh, the Razor Crest, they're picking off all of the spiders on the hull of the ship with like pinpoint accuracy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul in the interview said that he goes, if we were stormtroopers, Mando would have been dead. He goes, we just shot up everything except for the, except for the spiders is, but as, as new Republic fighters, he's like, we had proper training. So we knew what we were doing. He goes, and I like the fact that we didn't help him. You know, he asked mm-hmm. us for more help. He was like, yeah, we, we did help you. The rest is on you. So.
0: And how about that theme music? Whenever they put their guns down and got back into their cockpits, like <laughs> gangsters, man. Yeah. Like <laughs> 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 like it was it was sick man. I like that's going to be my ringtone if I can make it happen. <laughs> um the, so now the, we got they, uh
2: Well I'll just say really quickly they also had um decals of tie fighters on their X-wings as like ones that they shot down. So they're still they're still seeing some combat out there somewhere. Um you know they're they're still, you know, catching up with some imperials at, at you know here and there. Um and little kind of goofy easter egg thing, Dave his helmet is different from the one he had in, in uh season 1. They had it oh, repainted really? to, mat- yeah, to match uh, the Pittsburgh Penguin colors. Oh, and <laughs> Of course. the the uh, Paul's, uh, Carson Teva's R2 unit, he wanted to name it after one of the lines from one of his TV shows. I'm forgetting the name of the TV show, but it's called, um, he wanted to name it OKCU, because apparently that's a line that he says on his other show. And he was ex- they explained it to him like, well, no, it's an R2 unit. It, they all have to have R2 as the beginning of their designation so they named his r2 r2to which is the abbreviation for i guess like the train system in toronto where he lives uh and they painted it uh i think green and white to match like the the colors for like the toronto metro train system or whatever the hell it is um so it was like a little shout out to his his hometown right there
0: nice very interesting well, we're going to a new planet in a new system. We're going to Trask, and I believe it was called the Cole-Eben or Iben system. Mm-hmm. And if, just, if,
1: if he makes it there, I mean, dang.
0: Well, we're going to see, like, you know, this is a little different. This is probably the first time in the next chapter that we're going to be seeing that scene from the trailer where his, you know, the... Uh, Razor Ed, Razor Crest is, is sitting there, just kind of sputtering past mm-hmm. that green planet. Is is that or the one beyond it going to be Trask? Is mm-hmm. that Cole Eben and, that we were speculating was Nal or whatever? <laughs> it's funny <laughs> that all the different ideas that that we we tend to get wrong, uh, but it's it's all part of the fun. So Frog Lady's husband, Frogman, knows. <laughs> um,
1: he knows some Mandos. He knows
0: of a Mandalorian covert. We don't know if it's the same covert that escaped from Navarro. Um, but we are going to be finding out very soon. And we've come up kind of close uh, to the end of our episode today. Do you guys want to throw together some final thoughts on the episode before we close out?
1: It, it was great. I'm, I'm fully expecting the next episode to be less... Um, I don't know. This felt like a really touchy-feely episode. Like lots of, lots of emotions and... Uh, lots of seeing behind the the helmet, like figuratively for Dinjarin. So I feel like the next one he's really gonna be the tough guy and we're not gonna get a lot of like cute little baby Yoda moments, maybe.
2: I I agree. You know, I think this this episode he had challenges to his code, you know, brought up by the frog lady, but you know, basically telling him like I thought you guys lived by a code. You're supposed to help and you know, do this stuff, whatever. And he's like kind of reluctant to accept that role. Um which he does with flying colors by, you know, by the end of the episode. So I think next week we're going to see that he's more, he's going to carry that determination mm-hmm. uh, into the next episode. And it's who, if there's a, like an arc of stories or um, if it is another kind of standalone episode, but I think next week, if we're going off the trailers um, next week is when we're probably, will probably see uh, Sasha Banks in whatever. Role yeah. in. So yeah. that's pretty exciting because, The little tease that we had her in the trailer, uh, you know, with the overlay of, um, the word Jedi or sorcerer, I forget which one is said, you know, when she pops up very intriguing in the fact that she disappears into the crowd, the way she does, I'm still betting on the acolytes of the beyond. That's my own thing. I'm probably 130% wrong on that, but we'll find out in a couple of days.
0: We'll, we'll find out soon. Pete's still betting, hopefully betting. It's a long shot on jazz Amari. Um, Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Rick, because you got to think about it. We saw a lot of Quarren in that scene in the trailer, and Trask is supposedly a hospitable planet for frog people. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah it does. All right, guys. So. Well, those are our thoughts for the day, for the week. We're going to go ahead and start closing out the show. It's been another fun conversation. But we want to let you guys, the listeners, know some of the different ways that you can interact with us. Uh, you can follow jam transmissions on Twitter at JTcomlink where we've retweet other great shows that you should be listening to plus the big news of the week. We also like to post pictures of our acquisitions with polls and primers for upcoming episodes. Now as for our personal accounts, Eden, you go first. How can people find you on social media?
1: I am only on Twitter these days at Eden Jean Gray and then you can find me reacting to, to your uh, JT Comlink tweets. Reacting to those jams transmissions tweets usually with like extreme confusion and, Oh wow. I never heard of that. Somebody call me a fake fan.
0: <laughs> Rick will never do that. He only directs that at people that <laughs> whose name rhymes with Peter Viox.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. What about you, Rick? Uh, guys, you can find me, uh, on Twitter at Cad Baines Bounty where, you know, I'm posting generally some fun stuff and get into some goofy star Wars things. And, um, You know, we do want to know what you guys think. You know, let us know your predictions, your thoughts, your reactions uh, to anything that we have said or that you've heard out there in the Star Wars universe. Um, And Pete, if they want to reach out to us, how do the good people do that?
0: Well, they're going to have to direct all of their emails and voicemails to comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K, at jamtransmissions.com. And we will definitely read them or play them on the show, like our friends Wayne and Jeff recently. So please just tell your friends about the show so that we can keep on building our corner of the community and continue to make this show the positive and listener interactive podcast that we intend it to be. You can just tell them to go to jamtransmissions.com, or they can find us on most podcatchers that they use, but definitely on podcast. Oddbean, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And if you guys missed any of the links, like the stuff about Leslie Headland or the excerpt about the Wampa, and this, you want to hear Sam Witwer do that, basically you can find all that in the show notes. And that's going to be it for our 86th Star Wars Day. We hope you all have enjoyed the show today, and we can't wait to hear from you next time. I say this to all of our friends and listeners out there, as well as my co-hosts, Rick Villanueva and Eden Gray. May the Force be with you.
2: And And also also with you.
0: you.